Welcome to Populous. After a very long absence of real live programming, uh, we're back. It's episode 42. I'm Steve Hafer, and with me as always is my buddy, my confidant, my partner in crime. He is the Coke to my Pepsi. It's Kirk Trutner. How's it going, Kirk? It is going well, Steve, and should I say bonjour? Bonjour. Should I say hello? <laughs> Should I say good day? I mean, my God, you've put in more miles than Magellan over the last Whoa, six months. Oh, nice one. <laughs> that we did. Another seven-week odyssey into the wilds of Europe, and uh, it was another great time, just like last year was. Uh, everything was new this year, except we did revisit Paris, but uh, and we did see Barcelona, which we had seen on a previous not-connected trip to last year. Um so, yeah, it was a lot of fun. Portugal, Spain, a little bit of France, uh, and London to finish it up. It was a great trip. And, of course, in London, the top secret, need the password, 007 bar. Yeah, well, themed bar. It was It's supposedly, well, not supposedly, it was a favorite hangout of Ian Fleming, the Bond author. It's called Dukes, um, and it's a... High flute and high priced uh, martini bar, but it's well worth it. Uh, they know what they're doing and they do it with class and it's high end and the drinks were really good. I'm not a gin martini guy. I've always been a vodka martini guy, but I said, you know, you're here. I'm going to have a Vesper. They made it uh, with gin with a twist. And, you know, I'm usually vodka and olives or vodka, olives and onions. And it was so darn good. Um, but they're big martinis. They're their small ones are three and a half ounces of liquor. The most of them are five ounces. And so they say right there on the bottom of the uh, menu, uh, you can only have two. <laughs> we are not serving anybody more than two drinks. So I thought that's, it's pretty responsible of them. It also keeps things moving a little bit because they do have quite a wait. If you're not registered at the hotel, you have to just take your chances. We had to wait an hour before we got in, but uh, it was worth it. Well, you know, they are serving triples, so let's not canonize them. All right. <laughs> well, but at least. Oh, my God. They're looking out for our welfare. They're only serving us <laughs> six ounces of liquor at a time. Twice. It's five ounces twice. Let's get it. Let's not bury them under two extra ounces, shall we? <laughs> well, I'm glad you had a good time. Seeing all the pictures was great. And and I know how you love you love traveling abroad, so yeah. So welcome back. Well, Glad you had you. a good trip. It was a great time, and uh, Sean, my wife, is always the perfect travel partner. Uh, just it's very easy to do, very fun to do, and we have a good time. But we're glad to be back. But you also have been done doing a little exploring on the East Coast there, and uh, you brought your golf clubs along for the uh, the exploration, right? Yeah, just the last trip was a work trip to Nashville. So I got to spend another week in Nashville. Good friends down there. And then two weeks prior to that, uh, friends from high school flew out here. And we all convened at Pinehurst, North Carolina, for a golfer's dream long weekend. It was awesome. It is like playing golf in Mayberry. (laughs) (laughs) And I mean that. And I mean that in the most complimentary way possible. It's a wonderful little town. It's peaceful. It's quaint. The, 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 the golf accommodations were terrific. The courses were phenomenal. The service was wonderful. It was just, it was, you know, like Brigadoon. I mean, this little place appears out in the middle of the sandhills of, of North Carolina. And, you know, for four days, we just played golf and had drinks and ate good food and, and enjoyed each other's company. So it was wonderful. We're already planning on where we might want to do this next year. Whistling Straits, Bandon Dunes. Mm-hmm. I don't know. There's always good ones out there to be had. I like the Mayberry reference. What exactly is the golf yes, rule when the ball rests on top of a sleeping Barney Fife? Is it? Do you get a free drop or what is it? <laughs> it's uh, it, it's a free drop, no closer to Aunt B. <laughs> <laughs> that's nice two two floyds away <laughs> you get two floyds <laughs> and a goober <laughs> yes awesome yes awesome <laughs> uh so that trip sounds awesome and fun i'm sure you had a great great time but uh let's talk about what we're doing now this week since we're back from our long absence thank you everyone for your patience we're glad to be back but kirk what are we talking about today well 
to agree with you, Steve. Thanks for hanging in there with us, everybody. We got a great show this time around. This is a topic that Steve and I have talked about almost since day one, and we finally get a chance to do it. And this is going to be the best TV ad campaigns of all time. I mean, I, I, I am a child of television. I love TV. My mom used to tell me that I could be in a room and if Lassie was on, I'd be bopping around. But once the commercial came on, I'd be glued to the set watch the commercials. And then when Lassie came back on, I'd start wandering around again. So I've always <laughs> been kind of a fan of these little, you know, 30 second movies that would appear. So I, I've really been looking forward to this. Why am I having no trouble whatsoever believing that was the type of kid you are? Uh, that just seems so right. <laughs> oh but yeah. As, as we get older, ads tend to be kind of thought of as that necessary evil that pays the bills. And a lot of people I know tend to fast forward through them and everything, but we're talking about those ad campaigns from some of the best companies and the best advertising firms that actually do make you watch the screen still as an adult. And, uh, man, there was so many, but I had such a great time watching videos of old and new commercials, uh, you know, and some from just 10 years ago. And there's been so much good work done. It's, it was tough to pick, as we always say. But um, we found 10 somehow, some way. Oh, yeah. I, you know, again, like I said, it, it, this is a tough one. Um, and they, they, yeah, we always stay out. They're always tough. But I really think it comes down to how you wanted to look at your criteria. And I know mm -hmm. we always say that as well. Mm -hmm. And I, I gave a little, I tipped my hand a little bit for mine. You know, I look at these as 30 second movies. Yeah. And in that time, they're going to try and make you laugh or cry or think and do everything they can to attach those feelings to a product or a service. Yeah. And if they've done it well, you can't wait to see that commercial again. And you can't wait to see the next one in the series as well. So now it becomes a production in a lot of ways. And you look forward to that. And we've all seen commercials that try to do that don't succeed. And then there's others that just sneak up on you and they become part of the fabric of your viewing experience. So there, a, a lot of that kind of went into me, you know, what makes you stop, pay attention, listen, retain, what makes it different? How does it stand out? Why does it resonate? And is it buzzworthy? And I think I kind of landed on some of the buzzworth, buzzworthy commercials. I think that'll be a common thread for mine. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, so many great individual commercials throughout history and you know some of them were the centerpieces to larger campaigns themselves but for me it comes down to which campaigns did a great job promoting the product and were they memorable to us uh and that's what it comes down to i guess what makes something truly memorable there are many different approaches to take but i guess for me it comes down to you know, are there catchphrases or jingles that stick in your head that are just well done? But I think it's especially the humor. Good is good, but I know humor is just always that thing that makes me remember him. But that's just me personally. <laughs> what are they saying? Dying is easy. Comedy is hard. That's right. That's right. Yep. One of the all-time great quotes in, from theater. All right. So uh, that's kind of the way we're going to look at it. So let's get into it. But that brings us to... The over-under. And on the over-under, that's where we uh, set the bar of how many uh, common and exact pink picks we think we're going to have. Uh, I have to go first on the list, which means you get to set the bar for our picks this week. See, this is tough. This is the first time I've thought we're either going to have the exact same list or we're going to be completely different. And I have no idea. I know, right? Which is which. Usually I have an idea. So with that in mind, I'm going to say that the the common ones, the ones that we have that are both on the list, but not in the exact same spot, I'm going to say that's four and a half. Four and a half. Um, whew, that's a good number. Um, you know what? I'm going to take a risk. I'm going to say over, but that's just because I think it's going to be five. Okay. Okay. Now, what about the exacts? Exact matches, I'm going to say one and a half. I'm going to actually take the under on that. I don't know why. That's just my gut. Ooh, you're rolling the dice on this one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm feeling frisky. <laughs> you come back from a long trip. You got rejuvenated. You're ready to roll the dice. Ooh, yeah. We got a show in store for you, folks. Don't know what the hell I'm doing, but here we go. <laughs> Hasn't stopped us in the past. 
<laughs> and that brings us to unlisted. And in the unlisted, it's where we give a little sneak peek of uh, things you will not be seeing on our list today. Uh, since we'll be picking first, I'll go. And uh, my list will not be including any car commercials for sales or rentals, even though there are thousands of them. Uh, my list won't be touting uh, a certain fast food chain with an inquisitive chihuahua. Yokiro what? Uh, and also my list will not be in any way going to bat for companies who pitch male or female personal products or pharmaceuticals for possible ailments of such personal problems. If you know what I mean, <laughs> you're taking a very stiff position on that one, Steve <laughs> way to stand up. Thank you. No couples in dual bathtubs, holding hands and looking off into the sunset. None of that. What the heck? Well, I now know we're, we're all over the map on this one, folks, because none of those even occurred to me as I was putting my list together. Okay. Truth be told, I had to go dig for that one. <laughs> Because I'm, I, I'm, mine are surprising, but in a completely different way. Um, I am not going to have anything to do with Coca-Cola on my list. What? Yeah. Wow. Yep. Apple does not make my list. What? Yep. And Alka-Seltzer does not make my list. What? All bubbling under. <laughs> but yeah, I think we're going to be all over the place on this one, pal. Dang, dude. I want to I want to redo my guesses now on the over under. <laughs> interesting, interesting, interesting. Let's jump into our own campaign about these campaigns. Number ten. All right. For my number ten, this is one that was not on my radar on the top of my head when we started talking about doing this topic, but. Uh, it did pop in fairly quickly, and as I started watching some videos, that yeah, you know, it just has to be on there, and that comes from an unlikely company, and that's the California Milk Advisory Board, and their campaign got milk. Uh, started in 1990, still going present day. I like them because they're smart, they're funny, they're sometimes action packed, sometimes featuring stars like uh, The Rock or Sama Hayek. Um, there was the, the famous Aaron Burr commercial uh, where the guy gets a call from the radio company uh, and his mouth is filled with peanut butter and he has no milk, so he can't say and win the $10,000. Uh, there's the jerk in heaven who has got all these chocolate chip cookies but only empty you know uh, containers of milk, and the tagline is always, got milk. Um, a lot of brilliant stuff. It's very wonderful. And I think with most of our campaigns that we talk about, I encourage our listeners to go back to YouTube and check out some of these. Uh, you can usually find, you know, the whole run of these kind of commercials. And when you watch them as a whole body, uh, it's really fantastic stuff. But that's my number 10 California milk advisory boards got milk campaign. That's a great choice. I, I may mount a different argument for it a little <laughs> bit later on. <laughs> wow. But my number 10 uh, is a, a, a meteor that shot through the sky in 1984 and 85. You're going to find this hard to believe, but this was only around for one year, but it went nuclear. I mean, and people still use the catchphrase in this uh, in this commercial to make a point about the substance, about a product or an idea. It is the classic Wendy's campaign, where's the beef? Clara Peller, 81-year-old out of Chicago, Illinois, had never acted a day in her life and ended up getting this gig, and it just went sensational overnight. 31% increase in sales for Wendy's. It was one of the first commercials to really resonate with T-shirts and songs and, 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 and. It put Wendy's on the map. Uh, people still use the phrase today. So once again... My number 10, Wendy's, where's the beef? Yeah, on my honorable mention, didn't make my list, partially because it just annoys the heck out of me. Um, but uh, initially when it came out, everything you said was right. It was it was the pop culture thing. And, you know, the first couple of times that I saw the movie in Claire Peller, especially when she's driving around and just harassing all the drive through windows with where's the beef, you know, it was funny. But um, the only thing I'll differ with you is I don't know how many the younger generation even have a clue of what it is uh, nowadays, which you can make the case for a lot of these things, but I don't know. 
I had to draw the line somewhere and that's what it was for me, but uh, definitely worthy. I loved it. I, I thought it was great. I thought it had, it was irreverent. And again, who doesn't love seeing crotchety senior citizens just speaking their mind? It's just, to me, that's, that's commercial gold. Right. <laughs> so Wendy's where's the beef? My number 10. Very good. Very good. And that brings us to number nine. Before the show, you and I were talking, and I was really surprised that you left this one off or didn't even mention it as part of your honorable mentions. But my number nine is the twist on the classic duck out of water kind of routine, and that is the 2010 campaign from Snickers, You're Not Yourself When You're Hungry. Uh, It was launched during the Super Bowl, the classic Betty White ad. We were talking about that, and I didn't know what I was seeing when I saw it for the first time. And it was such a clever idea that you were able to repeat it a number of different times you're doing the same thing just with different celebrities, different takes, different points of view. So you could repeat it over and over again. And again, it, it, it became that when's the next one. I want to see the next one that comes out, you know, with, with Richard Lewis and Roseanne Barr and, and Betty. And, and it, it, I just thought it was a clever campaign, increased Snickers sales by 15%. Uh, thought it was great. I think it's still active in some way, shape or form Mm -hmm. uh, even now. So my number nine is uh, Snickers. You're not yourself when you're hungry. Yeah, that's a great choice. And it's, that's one of those top 15 for me. And I wish we had more space because definitely deserving, definitely a good representation of some of the modern companies, uh, you know, still turning out some great stuff. That Betty White thing is hilarious. Love it. Hilarious. She gets taken out and dropped into the mud puddle by the dude. It's like, (laughs) what the heck? It's so great. (laughs) And and again, first time you see it, you go, all right, where's this going? Mm -hmm. You know, okay. Betty White's playing football. And when they did the twist at the end, it's like, that's really clever. And again, it makes you want to see, you know, who else can you do? So, you know, get Jimmy Stewart out there. Get, you know, yeah. somebody, but you get just somebody need, else out there. You need a particular distinct personality. That's why they have, you know, Roseanne Barr, Kevin Hart, you know, all these people. And it works great. Good campaign. Oh, yeah. Well, my number nine uh, is from one of the big heavy hitters of advertising. Um, but they do so many great commercials, but usually on smaller scale. Uh, if we were doing, you know, best companies of advertising, McDonald's would be part of it. This is the only time they appear on my list, but it is for one of their early Big Mac introductions, uh, which was, I believe this one was in 1974. And it's when they came up with the jingle, the the catchphrase of what are the ingredients of a Big Mac? And that was the two old beef patty, special sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickles, onions, and a sesame seed bun kind of like where's the beef but it happened before this was something that people were repeating all the time they're trying to say it. they're trying to say it right they would quiz each other while they're drinking at parties and made for a lot of laughs because you'd always blow it somewhere along the way and everybody point and laugh at you oh no you you messed it up uh but it was descriptive it helped launch their sales even higher even though big mac was i'm sure doing fine at that point but it was another one of those key little things mcdonald's came up with that was brilliant small scale but huge impact. So the McDonald's jingle, the Big Mac campaign, two all beef patties, special sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickles, onions, and a sesame the seed cheese, bun. Pickles, onions, sesame seed <laughs> bun. That's it. My number nine. <laughs> Drink. Drink. <laughs> I think I shall. <laughs> you know, and that's, that's one of the things, you know, I, I I'm going to go back to my leaving Coke off the list is because in my mind, at least they didn't have that meteor meteoric one, 20 year campaign that had they've had a bunch of little ones all along the way. I'd like to buy the world a Coke, have a Coke and a smile, you know, little bits along the way, but not that that long stretching one. And that and I think the same thing about McDonald's doesn't mean I haven't put them on the list somewhere. I have, but that's kind of my reasoning. Yeah, I hear you. But this was actually also part that fed into the creation of a larger campaign for them, which is a you deserve a break today. Uh, So Small part of a big of a larger campaign, but yeah. All right. And and that was kind of tough in some of the selection process too, is mm-hmm. where do you draw the line between an individual chapter of an overall campaign or the overall campaign itself? Because there are some significant nuggets, like you just talked about within a larger that I'm actually going to touch on a little bit later on myself. Right. Very good. And you're exactly right. There are a couple of those examples on my list. All right. 
Number eight. On number eight, uh, I'm changing from food to apparel. And this is Nike, another big player. Uh, but this is their Mars Blackman Spike Lee uh, campaign that he did for Michael Jordan and the Air Jordan 4s. Uh, this was from 1988 through 1991. Uh, and Spike director Spike Lee took his character from She's Gotta Have It, uh, Mars Blackman, paired him with a rising basketball superstar in Michael Jordan for this Nike campaign. It was shot in black and white, shot in Spike Lee's style, using a lot of quick cuts, some great dialogue, uh, just a simple style overall, but it was a huge hit, a huge boost to Nike and the new version of their Air Jordans. Uh, and Little Richard even appeared in one of them as a genie, which was a, I think, one of the best of the bunch that they uh, that they created. They were hip, they were fun, they were cool. Everything Nike wanted to represent and wanted to be in that shoe world. And Spike Lee was a big part of bringing it to them with these Mars Blackman commercials. So. Those are my number eight Nike's Mars Blackman campaign. I got to tell you, our judges are going to have a tough time determining the over under and the, the uh, qualifications thereof, <laughs> because I think we're getting half slices of little things right along the way. And we'll, when we get to the end of it, we'll talk about it. But I think, I think fractions may be involved here. Okay. <laughs> we'll have to, yeah, we'll have to add up two halves to make a, to make a whole. All right. My number eight. Hey, Steve. What's that? <laughs> Quite possibly the stupidest concept for a commercial of all time, but one of the most successful, memorable, funny three-year campaigns for Budweiser. Again, it was a meteor. It's it was across the sky in three years. It was parodied everywhere. It again, t-shirts and songs. It had nothing to do with the quality of the beer, the taste of the beer. It was all about friendship. Mm -hmm. It was all about guys getting together, having a good time, and they were having a bud when they had it. And therefore, if you have a bud in your hand, you can have these good times as well. Uh, I thought it was deceptively clever. It absolutely made its way into the public consciousness. And it also served to make bud at that point in time kind of an older skewing beer your dad drank bud mm -hmm. but it made it a younger skewing beer at that point in time and really reset the the uh perception of bud at that point in time so my number eight is uh what's up yeah budweiser commercials from uh, 1999 to 2002 great choice and you couldn't have put it more perfectly if you had been in the room when that was pitched you're going and that works how but they they made it work. The actors did a great job. The editor did a great job. It's just, it's brilliantly written. It's so good, so funny. And the twists that they did on it later, where they brought in the stiff white guys and their version, you go, hey, how are you? Or whatever they said, <laughs> or, you know, and they're going, hey, pick up the phone. Hey, how are you doing? How are you doing? And it was just hilarious. Great, great stuff. But I also appreciate the fact that they knew when the joke had run its course that they, they, they started to beat the dead horse a little bit and then stopped. Yeah. It, they didn't try and push this thing out five, 10, 20 years. It's a one joke commercial. Yes. You can only tell that joke for so many times. You know, there's the Italian version. There's also the sushi bar that instead of what's up, it was wasabi. Oh, know, yeah. It, which is brilliant. Yeah. So you can only go, you know, where are you going to go? Iceland? Yeah, <laughs> you know, New Zealand. I mean, it, it, they knew when to stop, and I thought that was that was great. But I just remember that was one of those commercials that aired during the Super Bowl, and we all looked at each other and went, "What did we just see?" But we <laughs> thought it was funny as hell. Yeah, and then you laughed harder the second time because you'd already yeah. gotten over the "What have we seen?" part. Yeah. Yep. Yep. That's exactly it. Yep. Great choice. Okay, we're through eight. We're moving on into. Number seven, you touched base on McDonald's a little earlier. This is where I'm going to drop in mine. Um, I think you may have mentioned it, uh, but the you deserve a break today campaign from 71 to 75. And then they relaunched it again, 81 to 83. Uh, it really, to me, it, it put McDonald's in that upper echelon. When I was a kid, going to McDonald's was a treat. 
And I think that's what our generation learned. And they they made these commercials that were bright and, and airy. Moms and dad could see it and go, you know what? We did. We do need a break today. I think we were starting to hit that period of time when it wasn't just a one breadwinner household. Both people in the household had to work less time to get things done. We do deserve a break today. The workforce is kind of worn out. And I think they just touched on something. I mean, I'm not going to give McDonald's credit for being that you know, advanced in psychoanalyzing the American psyche at that point in time. But I do think it did touch into that uh, a little bit. And of course, as we all know, Barry Manilow sung that song. Now, what the misconception is, he didn't write it, but he did sing it. So my number seven is the McDonald's campaign within the larger campaign of You Deserve a Break Today. Yep. But Barry Manilow did write quite a few jingles, which were big, uh, mm. and we might touch on some of them later. So I'll leave it at that for right now. Ooh. But, but we should we should Spoiler mention. Alert. Well, we should mention maybe at the end of our list, maybe talk about a couple of the real memorable jingles that you remember, because uh, he'll he'll at least come up that during that time. Oh but yeah, good good choice. That that was a great campaign, and McDonald's is great at positioning themselves as you know this is something for the family you did have a hard day we can provide this warm meal for you and they revisited later do you remember the mac tonight commercial was with that weird blue singing guy with the moon head which oh yeah kind of creeped me out a little bit but they had a long thing but they were kind of doing a retooling of that sort of presentation well i mean even in the 90s they did their have you had your break today? They, they mm-hmm. touched upon it again. And I mean, if you really look at it, everything McDonald's really has done generally has had some resemblance to that campaign. I'm not going to say it's a direct offshoot of it, but it's light. It's airy. It's simple. It's it's you know, there's there's definitely a, a feel to the McDonald's advertising. Yes, for sure. It is. It is theirs. They own it. It's it's unmistakable for sure yeah all right good choice my number seven is from one of those companies that you said didn't make your list and that is apple computers and it is their 1984 introduction of the macintosh when they created this little mini film that appeared during the super bowl uh it was not humorous at all, but it was filmed in the style of george orwell's dystopian tale in 1984 uh, and directed by ridley scott it debuted, as I said, during the Super Bowl and created a huge buzz for the product. And Apple sales just took off once again. And it's not humorous at all, but it is very interesting. It's captivating. It's powerful. It is showing you get ready, world. We are breaking the norms. We are breaking convention. We are breaking what they say is, you know, should be the normal. And we are starting a whole new thing. So here we are. We're breaking it follow us. We're giving this to you. Pretty powerful stuff. So that's my number seven, uh, Apple's 1984 introduction of Macintosh. It's a great, I I remember watching that ad on the Super Bowl um, as well. In fact, you know, we can probably say that with almost all the commercials we're going to touch upon in some way. (laughs) Um, I, I think I didn't put it on mine just because in my mind, it was that one ad. It wasn't a campaign. Per se, it was that one ad that, that kind of permeated for the next six to eight months for that introduction. Uh, but I mean, there's so many other. I mean, if, if I was going to go Apple again, the one I had in my mind that uh, would be my honorable mention would be the Mac versus PC ads that they did with Justin Long, which I thought were, were really clever as well. So um, that, that's one of the directions I would have gone in. Anyway, all right, um, that brings us into. Number six. For my number six, uh, this is a more modern uh, commercial, kind of like your Snickers campaign. Uh, Insurance companies are some of the most competitive advertisers out there, Uh, like beer companies. There's a few, you know, fast food that there just seems to be a bunch of competition and they all do it pretty well. Uh, You know, State Farm, Farmers, Progressive with Flo and the gang, uh, the Geico, Gecko, that's hard to say, and the caveman before him. You know, all these things that are out there. We know them. They've made many of them. But the company making my list is Allstate and their Mayhem Like Me campaign. Uh, They've been doing this since 2010. Uh, Allstate has been demonstrating 
what damage and financial harm mayhem can cause in our lives. Uh, there's scenarios, production value, and actor Dean Winter's portrayal of the mayhem character uh, has left us laughing for well over a decade. I think he'd been doing it for what 13 years. Um, it's been a brilliant campaign. It's funny. They're inventive. They're always original and they do a great job. So I'm going to give them big props. All state mayhem like me campaign. And you know what? Uh, the actor you mentioned, Dean winners doesn't get nearly enough credit for the success of that campaign. Right. Cause he's great. He, he's a guy you love to hate. Yeah, but he just plays that. I I just, I I think, I love the campaign. He plays that roguish guy that, you know, you you could be friends with, but you just also know he may piss you off too. He's got that smirk. And tell me, when you first saw these first, did it not remind you of our good friend, Bill Dwyer, just a little bit? The overall, (laughs) that smirk. Yeah, Bill's not nearly as nasty. No, 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 no. Bill would have done it with a smirk on his face, a smile on his face. Whereas this guy, he literally... He always reminded me of that friend that you know is going to go off. You just don't want to be standing next to him when he does. Oh, see, I've never taken him as that. I just this. I've always taken mayhem as just being an unstoppable force of nature. You know, I don't. I don't take any malice at all. But that that smirk, that roguish charm, and everything just always reminded me of Bill Twyer. <laughs> I can see that. Right. Shout out, Bill. How you doing? Yeah, and Bill, if you auditioned for this and you didn't get it, I'm really sorry, dude. You would have been great. <laughs> Really sorry. You would have been awesome. What's your number six, mi amigo? My number six is literally the most interesting campaign in the world. Nah, nice. Because it's for Dos Equis. Stay thirsty, my friends. The most interesting <laughs> man in the world from 2006 to 2018. Um, when everybody else was zigging, Dos Equis zagged. When everybody else is going for the younger audience, the, 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 you know, the, the, party on the weekend guys they decided to go Hemingway they decided to go Urbane they decided to do something that was just so subtle and so intelligent and so smart and so understated yet it was hilarious and it was again like we talked about earlier I wanted to see the next one I want it it's like those Chuck Norris jokes yeah you know Chuck Norris you know you know could could you know get Jack Daniels drunk you know that kind of thing yeah this guy was a wonderful figment of Dosaki's imagination. There was great production value to these commercials as well. And they found a way to differentiate themselves in a very crowded field, you know, resulted in 22% rise in sales year over year in their first year. Um, I thought they were funny. I thought they were unexpected. And, you know, who doesn't want to be the guy that turns to the camera and go, stay thirsty, my friends. Yeah. <laughs> so Dosaki, most interesting man in the world. Number six. Yeah. Great choice. I, I, it's not on my list. Uh, but man, it's not for lack of trying. I was looking for a place for it. It's uh, I love this campaign. Very good stuff. All right. We're uh, one away from Mount Rushmore. That brings us into number five. So for my number five, Steve, I want you to tell me what the following names have in common. Jim Fix, Stephen King, Robert Ludlum, Bill- Benny Goodman, Steve Cawthon, Peter Ustinov, Ella Fitzgerald, Roger Daltrey, and the fictional Cleveland Indians from Major League. <laughs> um, I have no answer for you. Well, the answer is they didn't leave home without it. Oh, they were all part of the American Express campaign <laughs> of don't leave home without it. And do you know me? Um, <laughs> it was a terrific campaign. All of these faces that you didn't know, but you knew the names. All those names were on that. You know, you come on. I didn't know Jim Fix from, you know, a hole in the ground. And he does the ad and it's like, oh, that's what that. I thought it was a great campaign. It was a very clever play on names that we know, but not their faces. And it established the tagline as one of the most iconic in advertising history. American Express, don't leave home without it, which was morphed from when Carl Malden kicked off the campaign for American Express Traveler's Checks, which was don't leave home without them. Mm -hmm. Then it got morphed. And of course, Anytime you got Willie Mays Hayes saying, don't steal home without it, you know you've made an impact on pop culture writ large. So my number five is the American Express campaign, don't leave home without it. And do you know me and all the famous faces along the line? Great choice. Nice poll. Uh, I got to say, I forgot about that one, Uh, but highly worthy. Really good campaign. And everything you said is exactly true. I concur. Concur. (laughs) My number five is... 
partially something that you mentioned again, but I'm adding something on. So uh, it's kind of a tie here for my number five. Time for another logical, measured, and well-reasoned tie with Steve. (laughs) So is that your Kirk's cheat? It's not. It's a very well-mannered and reasonably thought of tie. (laughs) And uh, that is the Budweiser was up campaign and the campaign that preceded it, which was the Budweiser frogs beer companies are, as we mentioned earlier, highly competitive. Uh, it's a huge market. They're all really good, but Budweiser seems to do it better than everybody else. Uh, and they've been doing it longer and more consistently. It was, uh, extremely tough to exclude the other guys, but Budweiser for my purposes makes my list here. Both of these campaigns were just so well-written as we talked so much about was up. Uh, I won't repeat about that, but it's the, it was the through line about their storytelling that made these so good. You'd got to know these characters or these personalities, whether they were frogs uh, or the, the guys and the different scenarios they put them in was fantastic uh, because we related to them. Um, their original taglines, uh, when they started to get repetitive, as you mentioned before, you know, they changed it up by adding things. We talked about the, the, the stiff white guy version, or in the frog's case, they added the, uh, chameleons who did talk more and say more than Budweiser until the chameleon finally broke, uh, the news to the frogs that they were getting fired and that the campaign was getting canceled. Then, then the frogs spoke very well and they spoke many, uh, many different words as they berated the gecko for bringing this news to them. And then they slapped them around a little bit with their tongues and it was funny stuff, but always funny, always creative, huge result on sales. So Budweiser tie ties for number five with the frogs and was up for me. All right. Now it's time for Mount Rushmore. And on Mount Rushmore, that's where Kirk and I pick the best of the best, the cream of the crop, the four picks that are a little bit better, a little more special than everything else. But before we get to that, let's do a quick review of our picks 10 through 5. Kirk, what were your 10 through 5 selections? Starting at number 10, Clara Peller in 1984 asking us, where's the beef? Uh, number nine is Snickers. You're not yourself when you're hungry. Budweiser's what's up was number eight. You deserve a break today for McDonald's in the number seven spot. Staying thirsty and being the most interesting man in the world from Dosa Key was number six. And don't leave home without it from American Express was my number five. I love that one. That's such a good call. Um, my number 10 was got milk from the California milk advisory board. <laughs> that just doesn't sound like it belongs. The California milk advisory board. Number nine was a McDonald's big Mac introduction to all beef patty, special sauce, lettuce, cheese. Eight was Nike Mars Blackman and Michael Jordan. Uh, seven was the Apple 1984 introduction to Macintosh. Number six was all States mayhem. Like me. Number five was a tie of Budweiser frogs and was, And now we get into Mount Rushmore and number four. My number four is something that uh, we glanced on just a little earlier, and that is Apple again. And it is the one that you like better. It is the Mac and PC from the Get a Mac campaign. 66 ads from this campaign, though. It was it was so productive and so useful and so popular. Uh, It went ranged from 2006 to 2009. Like I said, the concept is so simple. Two guys standing in front of a white backdrop, the stuffy, somewhat uncool suited guy was a PC uh, played brilliantly by the comedian uh, John Hodgman. And the younger, slightly hip guy was the Mac played by Justin Long. Their chemistry was great. Low key, casual conversation was a perfect tone for their message. Smart dialogue where each ad didn't necessarily make you laugh out loud uh, each time. They were indeed funny and efficient in getting the message across. Uh, Mac was uh, cooler and built for people who wanted to create, have fun, and do more. That was the message. That's what they delivered. It worked very well. And every time they came on, you wanted to see what they were doing now. That's my number four, Apple's Mac and PC. As I said, that would have been the one that would have made my list. That that particular campaign for, for Apple, I thought it was clever. And honestly, it was the first time I think they really rolled up their sleeves and said, we're going to take PCs on. Yep. We're going to call them out. 
We are we are we are going to show America there is a distinct difference between the two machines. They're not all computers are not built alike. Yep. You know, and this was their opportunity to really kind of do it. And again, I thought they did it very well. I think uh, Hodgman played a great straight man oh, to, to Justin's long, Justin Long's young kind of innocent character. It, it was just it was really, really well done. And I think it did more than I think people realize for Apple products uh, in this country, especially, yeah. you know, the Mac. And if you really think about it, Justin Long was really the straight man, uh, even though yes, that's true. Yeah. You know, Hodgman was the stiff shirt or stuff shirt. He was, he was the funny and he, he did a great job. They worked well together. All right. What's your first appearance on Mount Rushmore here? My number four is something you've talked about already. And you said it is kind of difficult to say, and it is the California milk advisory board <laughs> got milk. Um, uh, I've always loved this campaign. Um, you know, it's healthy, it's good for you, and who knew that milk was hilarious? Because it could be, whether it's Amber or <laughs> Dryville or that great Selma Hyatt commercial. Uh, it made milk cool. And that was the other thing. It really did make milk cool again. And it was one of the first campaigns that I kind of recognized that branched out into other forms of advertising, print media. Remember the milk mustache? Yes. Part of that, that had the got milk tag, but it had everybody from Kermit the Frog to Muhammad Ali. I mean, all of these great unexpected celebrity appearances, all kind of doing the same thing all around the very simple idea of, do you have enough milk in the house? I mean, it's incredible what they were able to do with a very simple concept and not only the funny spots, but there were some very thoughtful spots done with it as well. There's a great one around a fireman and how he used to sit around the table with his mom. Yes. Having a glass of milk, telling him that he wanted to grow up all over footage of him rescuing a small boy from a fire. I mean, it was it was a really heartwarming, no pun intended, uh, commercial. Yep. So I think they've they've taken what was a very simple idea, got milk and turned it into something that was much larger than anybody could have ever imagined. So my number four is got milk from the California milk advisory board. But as we're talking, one of my favorites that I remember is uh, the two kids are sitting around the table and the mom's trying to get them to drink their milk and they're hang dog and Ed going, ah, nah, and he sees his old neighbor out there and go, Mr. Miller, you know, look, he never drank milk in his life and he's doing all this work. And then he lifts up in the wheelbarrow and his arms separate from his body. And he's like, Oh, that's not good. And the kids just start chugging their milk and the mom starts <laughs> chugging milk. Also hilarious. <laughs> I watched that ad earlier today and the kids faces. Ah, when it happens, pretty funny. They did a really good job with that. <laughs> uh, such a good campaign. Yeah. It definitely worthy. I think it would have gone higher, maybe even as high as number four for me. If, it made more of a difference, but unfortunately that's part of the, just the product. Uh, it didn't change their sales that much um, because, you know, milk is milk. It's not exciting. It's not a car. It's not, you know, it's not something you have to have. It's not beer. It's, it's you know, it's, it's milk. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's funny. I made a note here is that, is that the, the nineties were kind of the golden era for food advertising, because I said on my notes, it beat out the other basic food groups, Pork, the other white meat. Beef, <laughs> yeah, right. It's what for dinner and the incredible edible egg. Yes. <laughs> I, oh, God, I remember that one. Yep. See, all good ads because we remember these things as soon as you mention it. That's exactly it. Yeah. Very good. Well, one face is taken care of on our mount. Let's go to the next president, who is your Abraham Lincoln. Number three. My number three can be summed up in one soundbite. Da-da-da, da-da-da. This is SportsCenter, the 30-year classic collection of more than 200 ads for SportsCenter. Uh, I think it created an identity for SportsCenter and ESPN. It created an attitude. It established you know, people like Stuart Scott, Kenny Maine, The Big Show with Dan Patrick and Keith Oberman. Um, it had a broad appeal, but I think sports fans really got the inside joke on these. That's why it appealed to them. And I think it truly did establish the behemoth we now know as ESPN, that that sports center was kind of the gateway. And then let's see what else is on as well. So my number my number three is the the long running ESPN campaign. This is sports center. 
I should have known somehow, some way that if we're going to have a commonality that was an exact match, this would be the one. And it is <laughs> my number three is ESPN's This Is Sports Center campaign. Um, yeah. It blew me away how we were just researching. I'm reading it appeared on nobody else's list to which I say, are I know. you freaking nuts? It's so long running. It's so brilliant. I personally love it when ad campaigns, when they build their own little universe and they take you inside. Uh, one example is the more recent uh, Fansville by Dr. Pepper. It's cute. You know, they have this yeah. running story and it's their own little universe. Well, ESPN, this is Sports Center, is definitely that. Not that it's a mythical universe, but it's their take, their version of what happens at the Bristol campus of ESPN as they're working their day-to-day routine. And you've got the on-air personalities that we all recognize coexisting with major stars from all different sports and college mascots and all these different, and they're just coexisting and they all are seem to be part of the cog that creates sports center. And it's like, they all belong and are all supposed to be there when in reality, of course they don't. Uh, but it is brilliant. It's funny. All the different scenarios they come up with are unique and they're great takes and it's just fun to watch. It's just plain funny, which scores big with me. It's like you're watching a familiar, good bunch of friends that you like. And so I agree with you. This is sports center. Number three, you know, as I was doing research, I was, I came across a comment from one of the ad agencies as they were doing this and somebody asked, where's ESPN again? And the answer is Bristol, Connecticut. And of course the answer to that is where's that. Yeah. <laughs> and from that, the idea was, well, you know what? We're going to make Bristol the sports capital of the world. Mm-hmm. And that's what they tried to do here. To your point, we got the inner workings. We got to look at the inner workings of what is the you know great sports machine that is that is ESPN. And it was funny. It was you know just one of my favorite ones. No dialogue. It was the Oregon duck working in a cubicle. Yeah, <laughs> just and outside, outside the window, yeah. you hear ducks quack yeah. on a lake, and all the duck does is sit back and then glance out the window. And then it was, this is sports center. Yes. It was genius. It was absolute genius. Any kid who's been stuck inside doing their homework while his friends are playing outside, you can relate to that. <laughs> it's just like, yes, yes. that's exactly <laughs> it. Yeah. Or David Ortiz putting the Yankee cap on and watching the, the Red Sox mascot go bananas. Yes. <laughs> I mean, you know, and this is a world we could actually believe exists. Yeah. That's the other thing. Or you know? I think it was Carl Ravitch or somebody walking down the hall with uh, Larry Fitzgerald and things are just getting thrown every which way. Fitzgerald's just one-handed catch, one-handed catch, one-handed catch, one-handed, just everywhere. And it's, just, <laughs> it's just the little things. It's uh, hilarious. I got to admit, my favorite one is the ESPN cafeteria. Stuart Scott, Scott Van Pelt are watching Arnold Palmer yes. go through and he grabs <laughs> a cup and does a little bit of iced tea, then a little bit of lemonade. Then a little bit more ice tea, and he walks off, and just very quiet. They're like, "That was awesome, that was incredible." Do you see how we? I mean, it was. And it's again, it's funny just on the surface, but if you know that you know, if you know what's going on, it's hilarious. Yep, Yep. so brilliant. All right, that brings us into our number two, and. My number two is another one of those ads that led into a larger campaign, and it was Coca-Cola's 1979 Have a Coke and a Smile, Coke Adds Life uh, campaign featuring this one particular ad starring Mean Joe Green of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, Coke is another one of those masters at the advertising game. Uh, So many good commercials like McDonald's spread over the years, Uh, but this one kind of stands out for in a lot of people's mind. Uh, This little kid wanting to help mean Joe green as he's coming down the tunnel, uh, having to leave the game a little early, had a rough game. Maybe he has an injury. The kid asks if he, you know, if there's anything he can do to help. He says, would you like my Coke? And he's like, no, that's cool. But he goes, no, really you can have it. And he takes it and he chugs it. He feels a little better and says, Hey kid tosses him in the Jersey. He's like, wow, thanks mean Joe. It's just so cute. So touching. So emotionally sweet. Uh, Rumor is Mean Joe had to drink a ton of Coke <laughs> before they could get the line. It was like two and a half gallons exactly of Coke before right. you could get the line right. Yeah, but 
And it's not necessarily because he wasn't able to say it or just because, you know, advertisers, directors, producers, they're looking for that exact right reading. And so you just do it and do it and do it. Uh, but it was well worth it. It launched itself into single ad lore uh, and just launched a whole new sale for that. Have a Coke and a smile Coke ads life campaign. So that's my number two. It's one of the great ads of all time. I mean, for a single ad, it's like 1984. Yeah. You know, it's the mean Joe green Coke commercial. It's the Michael J Fox diet Pepsi commercial super bowl. Yeah. Way back when he, when he, you know, runs through, you know, all kinds of hell to get a diet Pepsi for the cute girl that moved in next door. I mean, there's some really great individual ones. Yep. And, and, the mean Joe green one to me has lasted the test of time. I mean, that's the oldest of the bunch and people still look on it very fondly. Yeah. It was just fantastic. And we're used to our celebrities and our sports stars, maybe being grumpy and self-centered. And this was a possibly injured mean Joe green, definitely tired, definitely not happy. And you know, he's, he's very cordial to this kid and then he takes it and he, he realizes the great, the nice act. And so he returns it in kind. It's just, it's, it's fantastic. And the Steelers were at the top of their game at that point in time. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, and he was. So, yeah, a lot of yep. good things. All right. What is your number two? Well, like your number two, I'm going to talk about a football player. Actually, I'm going to talk about a lot of football players and football coaches and basketball players and a pool player, a famous writer, baseball manager, all of them making the great case on one side or the other of the time-honored question, does it taste great or is it less filling? The light beer campaign from like 75 through 1990, which featured more than 200 ads, is still to me a pinnacle of television advertising. First and foremost, I think it really humanized a lot of the athletes that we idolized, made them, we had fun with them. John Madden bursting through the wall. You know, Steve Mizrak just showing off. Deacon, the very first one, the easy open can. I mean, these were all the first time we'd seen any of these people in situations then on the field or being interviewed afterwards. They were being showcased as human beings that happened to be athletes, not the other way around. Uh, you know, it made stars out of Bob Euchre, uh, Marv Throneberry, Madden, you know, Mizrak, Mickey Spillane, Rodney Dangerfield. I mean, you, you mentioned Bubba Smith, Dick Butkus. Oh, yeah. Uh, this campaign made light beer appealing to men. Light beer before was aimed at women, and the market share was incredibly small. But when you got Dick Butkus saying, hey, it tastes great and it's less filling with a few calories, you know, basically what they're telling you in code is you can drink a boatload more of these if you want to, gentlemen. <laughs> so go out and do it. Mm-hmm. But it established this brand new category. And without that, do we have Bud Light or Coors Light or any of the new lighter beer products? You probably would, but maybe not to the success that we've had. They were funny. They were timely. They were unexpected. And honestly, it's everything you'd want in a beer and less. The light beer campaign tastes great, less filling uh, from the 1970s is my number two. Yeah, good choice. This is uh, this is number 11 uh, on my list. Um and I don't know why it's not on my list, but it's not, and it's it's worthy to be on there, and it's worthy to be on Mount Rushmore. It's everything you said. Good choice. All right. We have one face left. The Big Kahuna. The top dog. The best of the best. Number one. Well, you alluded to it a little earlier um, with your choice of the Mars Blackman uh, segment of this campaign. But I decided that Nike's Just Do It campaign was the overarching umbrella that I was going to to call out. Um, It has defined a generation. It took Nike from struggling against Reebok back in the early days to being a category leader across the board in so many different ways. it was an umbrella for so many just unforgettable spots. If you wanted to be funny, there was tiger doing the juggling with the golf ball in his golf club. There was the bow nose ads. There was chicks dig the long ball, which I watched again today for the first time in a while. And it's still hilarious. And then it, the video after that was Maddox Smoltz and Glavin being interviewed on MLB network. And they were talking about that ad Smoltz was upset because he wasn't included and Glavin popped off. He said, John, 
Chicks dig the long ball, not the bald spot. <laughs> <laughs> Which they all had a good laugh over. And, and it was it was funny. But then they also have done a number of socially responsible commercials under that umbrella as well. Remember the Charles Barkley, I am not a role model mm-hmm. commercial? Mm-hmm. Do you remember if you let me play? All the positive impact about letting women play mm-hmm. and, and supporting women's sports. They stood by Kobe. They stood by Kaepernick. I mean, they really have, you know, not just made this a, a one trick pony. Just do it has has, you know, branched out like an octopus in so many different ways. So I looked at the just do it campaign as a 30 long, 30 year long umbrella uh, advertising campaign. So that's why I had to put it at number one. So that's Nike. Just do it. Yeah, I wasn't sure how to. I mean, first of all, nice, nice choice. Uh, I think umbrella is an interesting choice of words, and that was where I was struggling with that. I, it seemed to me almost like there were all these sometimes fantastically wonderful genius pieces of art, you know, or of advertising, but because they weren't actually saying just do it in it or whatever, you know. It seemed to me like also just at the end, the Nike logo would come on and just do it is almost as a fix to the Nike logo now as anything that it just is part and parcel. It comes along. Um, so I didn't take it as one big thing, but I, the argument to be made for that is definitely there. And so, yeah, I, I see why you made it. It's easy to make it. I just didn't, uh, I didn't connect it that strongly, but, uh, if you do, yeah. How can you how can you deny its its strength and its worth? They've been doing it a long time, and a lot of them are real, real gems. Good stuff. My number one is also a longevity thing. Uh, gee, surprise, surprise! Kirk and Steve go for things that have been around for a while. Have <laughs> done a lot, and like Kirk and Steve. Yeah. <laughs> Mine is back to Budweiser though, uh, and it is the Budweiser Clydesdale commercials. Um, mm-hmm. It is. It started with "Here Comes the King," uh, their old theme song when they first rolled out the Clydesdales pulling the the beer wagon. Um, but what I like about the overall campaign is they're sometimes funny, but they're usually beautifully shot, poignant, thought provoking, sometimes patriotic, usually sentimental, almost always inspiring. It's what Budweiser does with the the Clydesdale theme, and they're. You know the the horses themselves. They've been debuted during the Super Bowl many times. They're definitely a huge part of our holiday season. They come up with that one great holiday season commercial featuring them, which is usually very sentimental. Um, they're a piece of American pop culture at, at the very least, if not downright just Americana. Uh, so many great ads. the The puppy song, you know, came as a oh. big thing during. It's such a great thing. The the team of horses going to a frozen field outside of New York after nine 11 and the horses bow down toward New York and the statue of Liberty, you know, so many great things. The, the donkey wanting to be a Clydesdale and you know, he, he gets led into a team and then there's a whole menagerie of Noah's arcs animals coming in a follow-up cartoon or I mean a follow-up ad. And the guy looks at the donkeys and says, see what you started? <laughs> now everybody wants to be a Clydesdale. <laughs> uh, there's the Clydesdale that can't quite make the team. So the Dalmatian from the uh, beer wagon takes the Clydesdale aside and they go through a Rocky montage with the song, you know, going to fly now in the background as the horse is training. And then he makes the team the next year. It's such great stuff. And you just get to know these animals as their own personalities. And they, they, they don't have names. They don't speak or anything like that. So many great ads. Uh, I recommend, once again, looking them up on YouTube. Uh, you'll laugh. You'll cry. You'll just be impressed by the whole body of work. That's my number one. That's that's a great, great call. I, I don't know if I would have put it number one, but I would have put that on the list had I thought of that. I didn't think about it as an in, like an individual side category like that. And, you know, the one with the puppy is the one I I'm sorry. Now, when I see it, I start crying when I just see the opening five seconds of it, even though I know how it's going to end. You know, um, it's it's adorable. And they they really have done some good work. Whenever that song comes on the radio, uh, my youngest, Jack, and my wife, oh, oh the puppy song. <laughs> they just, you know, but they know exactly. it from the commercial. That's where they first saw it during the Super Bowl. So, all right. Great choices. Uh, really good list. That was a lot of fun. Um, 
Well, we only really had two matches and one exact, so I failed on... No, I was... Yeah, I was under on the exact, so I won that one, but failed miserably on the uh, yeah. the commons. Because uh, I give us was up as being the same thing, but McDonald's, I think, was enough of a split that I won't count that. But even if I did, I still would have missed miserably. <laughs> <laughs> Well, like I said, that was a tough one. And, and I mean, as soon as we started going, I was like, okay, like I said, it was going to go one way or another. We were all going to, we were going to match right down the line or we we're going to be vastly different. And after the first couple it was like, okay, we are vastly yeah. different, but easy topic to do it on. Cause there are so many worthy things to consider. Oh yeah. All right. Well, that brings us to unlisted the sequel. And as always, an unlisted the sequel. It's our honorable mention list of some of the things that we may or may not have talked about. Uh, what came close to making your list that you just want to give a shout out to? You know, one I thought about that doesn't have like these shining lights is the very successful Flow Progressive campaign. Mm-hmm. I mean, they've been doing that forever. She's engaging. They've they've taken some different twists on it. Like it's very workmanlike. It's kind of like the gecko from from Geico that yeah. that whole campaign, and even what Geico has done with some of this. The you know they, they've ventured off and just done some funny things, like yeah. how you know that the the insurance for the house they've got right now, where they have ants, and it's really you know ants and uncles kind of thing, yes. or you know. I, Bud Light, when they were doing a whole series of just funny ads that were kind of umbrellaed, you know, it was just hard to to kind of put them in a category or bucket. So, you know, I knew I had some other better choices, I thought, that were much more easily distinguished. Um, I love that you chose Mayhem. That's another one that I I, I would have thought of as well. Um, even, even the De Beers, a Diamond is Forever campaign. Nothing yeah. flashy about it, but I mean, it's been around since 1945, and actually, that's where Ian Fleming got the title of the Bond novel Yeah, from, was from that advertising campaign. Talk about getting your money's worth for that slogan. You know, is it success? If that was the criteria, longevity and success, you know, they absolutely would have made the list, but I can't point to one great De Beers ad you know, or, or moment or, or pop culture moment. So, you know, those are just some of the ones that kind of ran through my head. Also plop, plop, fizz, fizz. Oh, what a relief it is. I mean, yeah. Alka-Seltzer's got two of the, of the greatest jingle catchphrases, that one. And then also I can't believe I ate the whole thing, which did quite well for a while yep. also. I mean, so yeah. Um, yep. yeah. The, as I mentioned before, the Miller life tastes great. Less filling that was big as was the Snickers one. Um, the old spice, the newer campaign with uh, the guy um, I'm the man that yeah. you wish your man smelled like, or something like that. Uh, very funny, very the prop prop heavy and the changes of him just morphing into something else or his situation morphing into something else was just great. Um, the Pepsi commercials with Michael Jackson way back when they used uh, his brothers oh, for yeah. some, but featuring bad and Billie Jean and then a very young Alfonso Ribeiro, uh, cousin Carlton from the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, uh, played the kid with a young kid gang and he was dressed like Michael Jackson and they're both doing moves. That was huge. And I also, back on fast food, I like how Jack in the Box saved their bacon when things weren't going so well and they went back to what made them novel in the first place, which was the clown's head on the drive through speaker but they turned it into the head of their CEO and their Jack was born. And I think they do some very clever stuff with that character and that campaign. Um, do you remember this was a, an individual commercial, but Oh my gosh, it makes me cry every time I see it. Uh, Wrigley's extra gum. And it's about a going through the years of a father, little daughter relationship when he was trying to make her feel happy, whatever. And he just takes the wrapper, the foil wrapper from his gum and makes a little origami swan out of it and just gives it to her. And then you see through the years with whether they're having good times or she needs a pick me up because she's depressed or whatever. He just gives her these little origami swans and it's very sweet. And then she's moving away out of the house, either to college or just on her own. And he's helping her load and he knocks this little box out of the back and it opens up and spills. And there's hundreds of these foil little origami swans and she's kept from over the years. And you just, Oh, it's so sweet. And, uh, the tag on tag I remember that was one, like, honestly, give extra, give extra, get extra. It's, it's beautiful. Oh, that's, that's a great tagline too. Yeah. 
I also, you know, I, I tend to go back to the seventies, you know, Hey, Mikey likes it. Yeah, absolutely. Simple, but man, you remember it for life cereal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. But jingles yeah. also, things that you remember, we were talking about, you know, you deserve a break today and plop, plop, fizz, fizz. And we mentioned Barry Manilow, who did write the I'm a pepper, you're a pepper, she's a pepper, he's a pepper. Wouldn't you like to be a pepper too? Oh, yeah. You know, and didn't he write a plop, plop, fizz, fizz? I think he wrote that. Didn't he not? I'm pretty sure he did. Uh, Coke, even though it wasn't a jingle, they took it from an existing song, but I'd like to teach the world to sing. That was a huge campaign. Uh, Burger King, have it your way. Oh yeah. And Burger King's response to Big Mac's, uh, ingredients of to all beef patties when they said, uh, hold the pickles, hold the lettuce, special orders don't upset us, which was also a slam that McDonald's wrap and Jack in the box was that they can only make things one way because they had to keep on a time schedule. So Burger King is saying, well, we can keep on a time schedule and we can give you what you want. So brilliant advertising. Oscar Mayer Wiener, uh, Oscar Mayer Bologna song. Oh, a uh, lot of great jingles. My Bologna has a first yeah. name or I wish I was an Oscar yeah. Mayer Wiener. That's what I'm saying. Both yeah, of those. Both of those. Oh, my God. My childhood is flashing before my eyes. I know. <laughs> Reminiscing. <laughs> All right. Well, that pretty much wraps it up for this show. Uh, so good to be back. So fun uh, doing this with you. Really and, nice uh, to be back. Yeah. And good to quote unquote, see you all listening. Uh, we appreciate you as always. And uh, we appreciate you tuning in and listening to our silliness and our banter. Uh, next time we'll have another fun topic. I'm not going to say what it is. Uh, we'll keep it on the surprise, but uh, hopefully it'll be as fun as this one. Oh yeah. We got some good shows lined up. I think we've got some fun topics to take us through the rest of the season. And uh, now that we're going to get back on a little bit more of a regular pace, I think you got some good stuff coming your way, folks. So stay tuned. You can find us wherever you get great podcasts, whether that is Apple, Spotify, iHeart, Tuned In, or wherever you get great podcasts, we can be found. We are a member of the Buzzsprout community. That's right. And if you want to find us on Buzzsprout itself, that's just at populist.buzzsprout.com. You can also find us on facebook.com slash populist or occasionally on Twitter at populist underscore pod and even less (laughs) occasionally I'm, I'm trying to change that on Instagram at Populous Pod. Yeah, it's a busy social media world, and I'm an old guy. Uh, <laughs> well, Wi Fi sucks in Europe, Steve. <laughs> it depends. It depends. There's okay in some spots, but uh, yeah. I'm giving you an out. Take it. <laughs> I think the cocktails were the thing that occupied my time. That's my out. Worthwhile. Yeah. All right, my friend, good hanging with you. Thanks for listening, everybody. And until next time, we'll see you then. Take care, everybody. I'll make it a good one. Score. See ya. See ya.